Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. I mean, obviously I wasn't thrilled with that. A particular press conference, but I can't say there was one specific uh, act that was the last straw. It was just a culmination of things. Um, uh, we, we just got to a point where I, I, where I thought we had dug ourselves a hole so deep that I didn't see a clear path to getting out of it unless we completely blew it up and, and started all over again with a new general manager and a new head coach. Um, I still think that there is a really good head coach inside of Joe Judge. I just felt like given where we are right now uh, on the verge of bringing in a new general manager, we have to give that person um, the flexibility uh, to bring in the head coach that, uh, that, that he wants. And I, I think that's, that was a large part of the decision here in, in, making a, in making a change. I just felt like we really needed to just start from the, from, from the ground up again. All right, there's John Mara. Dan, after uh, just just a crazy week, right? Black Monday comes and goes. Nothing happened on the uh, on the Joe Judge front, but it was uh, it was Black Tuesday, as you wrote, uh, for Joe Judge. He is out as the Giants head coach following one of the uh, the worst seasons of football any of us can remember, especially the last six weeks for the Giants, right? Uh, let's just dive right into it. No pleasantries. A lot to get to this week. What do you? Uh, what's your leadoff thought on Joe Judge getting the axe and the way ownership and Steve Tisch and those guys handled it? Well, I, I feel like it was probably necessary. I, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. I, I was, you know, a proponent of a full rebuild if that's the way that they were going to go. I didn't want to see a scenario in which you know the new GM came in and was forced to take on you know the head coach and and, the, and his personnel. Um, I thought Judge had. You know, essentially talked himself out of a job anyway. Um, kind of fell apart there. Yes, uh, after the Bears game, we're going to get, we're, we're get there. He, he fell apart, but it wasn't just that particular moment where things began to fall apart. It was just, the, you know, the final six weeks of the season were just undeniably disastrous for the Giants. And, um, you know, like Mara said, every every time he thought they hit rock bottom, it, they somehow found a way to get worse. They, you know, very much became the clown show that Joe Judge insisted they weren't. They're a punchline. They remain a punchline. We've even got Wendy's fast food restaurant mocking them publicly at this point. Um, so, yeah, the Giants, they absolutely hit rock bottom. I don't think there's any denying that. And I think that Mara Tisch, uh, the ownership council of the Giants, the executive branch of the Giants, recognized the fact that they were – in dire straits and then needed to blow things back up, even though, you know, they've been preaching this desire for consistency and maybe some patience and even, you know, regretting the lack of patience in recent years. But the bottom line was, is the situation dictated the result and, you know, Gettleman quote unquote retired judge had to go and it is time to start over and rebuild this thing, but it has to be a true rebuild. I think that's going to be the big takeaway for most. It, It can't be another one of these situations where, you know, the Giants go out and they find these familiar names, which thankfully it doesn't look like they're doing. And then they find themselves back in the same spot again. So, yeah, the the, the blow up and the true rebuild has long been necessary. In terms of Joe Judge, I think uh, I think two things can be true with Joe Judge. Right. I think, number one, he was put in a position to fail. He was put in a position to fail. Right. He can't, 
he got paired with Dave Gettleman, who was, uh, you know, has, you know, his track re- record is what it is. And he, the COVID situation in his first year for a guy with his experience, very tough situation for Joe Judge, as you wrote on Giants Wire, Dan. And I, I just think with him and Jason Garrett and how bad the offense was and COVID and Gettleman, and it just wasn't a good fit. So I think, I think Joe Judge was in a position to fail. I also think he was in way, way over his head and he had to go. Um, I, I'm not a proponent for him sticking around. I just don't think it's all on him, right? I think he, it was almost an impossible situation for Judge, but, you know, I agree with you. I think he talked his way into getting fired. Uh, and I, I think, uh, I think both things can be true. I think he was, you know, put in a position to fail, but he also ended up being in over his head as well, right? And he deserved to, to get fired. It was. It was an unwinnable situation for Judge. It was an extremely unfair and unbalanced situation for Judge. As we mentioned, he comes in. He's immediately paired with Dave Gettleman, um, his personnel. He's saddled with an offensive coordinator that, by all accounts, he didn't want. Uh, The team was among the worst as far as games lost or missed due to injury. Obviously, as you noted, they had the COVID situation in this first season. The the deck was stacked against them. There's just there's no other way around that. But as I wrote in that article on Giants Wire, this is the job that he had campaigned for. He made the promise that he was going to come in and he alone was going to right the ship and he was going to fix things and you know he was given you know some power you know over personnel and things like that he certainly had his input and his say so although he was saddled you know with a poor roster dave gettleman's poor roster built coming in um you know in in the opportunities that he had to kind of fix some of the depth and fix some of the problems he didn't either and you know he he was side by side with gettleman uh, last offseason saying that uh, essentially that the media and the fans had it wrong and that they were comfortable with their offensive line and confident in the guys they had. And that confidence obviously was not rewarded. Um, and in the end of those failures, whether they were you know solely his or not, uh, led to his doom in the end, especially when it really became evident that he was drowning. He was certainly in over his head towards the end there. And it almost felt like he himself had quit, which, you know, only compounded and exacerbated matters after, you know, the end of last offseason when he hammered the Eagles for quitting and promised that the Giants would never, ever do such a thing. And, and then, you know, they run to back-to-back sneaks in the final game of the season and Including on Crazy. third and nine, and, yep. and it's sort of like you know that's not the straw that broke the camel's back, but it certainly added to the weight on the shoulders of ownership and forced them into making a decision. I'm so glad you said that because I feel the exact same way. And, and when when Judge was not fired on Monday, I thought he was going to stick around somehow, and and oh. I thought that he had embraced the tankathon thing. I thought the Giants were going for a top three pick, Dan. I thought they clearly had tanked uh, at the end of the season. I didn't think the Giants were playing to win. I didn't think Joe Judge was coaching to win. None of us did. Watch the games. They were painful to watch, to watch those games, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I just thought they it were was all... Honestly, yeah. I just want to say this, too, because yeah. I, 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 it's not being hyperbolic. I genuinely mean this, and I think you'll agree. I think the listeners will agree, too. Over the final three to four weeks of the season, in particular, granted the last six weeks were horrid, the final three to four games were some of the worst football that I've literally ever seen of any on any level. On yeah. any level, it was some of the worst football I had ever seen. Some of the worst play calling, some of the worst execution, some of the worst game plans I've literally ever seen. Yeah, so the only way you can justify that is saying, all right, 
we're tanking for a top three pick, right? That's what we're going for. It didn't work out because other teams are just as good at, as the Giants at tanking, right? So they ended up staying at number five all the way through the last three weeks, I believe, Dan. They, they weren't able to get down there into that, that three range, but I thought they were embracing the tank, and I thought Judge was going to be back for at least one more year. Uh, but the fact that that wasn't a plan, uh, clearly wasn't an organizational plan to tank it down and try to get a better pick. The fact that Judge is out, and we can – debate on why maybe maybe they were planning to keep him but they felt the pressure from the fan base which is rabid right now and rightfully so exactly joe judge telling us that he would never do that as head coach of the giants but clearly doing it yeah it's it's just such it's hypocritical it's hypocritical and i'm wondering dan what was what was rock bottom for you what was rock bottom for you was it the uh the jake Fromm qb sneak on third and nine which uh, (laughs) everybody's going nuts over and was it the 11-minute rant after the Bears game, which is now infamous? And we're going to get into it a little bit more in depth, but if that's it, please tell me. Or was it, you know, the reports that players wanted him gone? You know, for me, once I saw those reports, I'm like, well, we can't keep him then. If the players aren't playing for him, they're not buying it, then he can't stick around. But what was the final straw for you? Because I know you've been a supporter of Judge, and especially last year, man. You were in his corner. But now you're well, out of this corner. I, I feel duped. I, I think a lot of people feel duped, though. The snake he oil salesman, and, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he was a great salesman. There's no doubt about that. And I think he believed what he said. And, and you know, to his credit, you know, there is some level of his own version of honesty there. But in the end, I think that kind of faded away um, with a third and nine call in particular after everything he said about the Eagles last year. That's embarrassing for the organization. No doubt. Uh, but I don't think that that was the straw. Even for me, that that wasn't necessarily the straw because I watched that Bears game and I saw what happened when the Giants tried to actually make a play uh, from that same position. And and honestly, in a 3 nothing game, I felt like Judge may have saved his team two points. And, and I know that that's a very glass-half-full look at what happened on those sneaks, but that's how bad the Giants were offensively um, that I actually think the Judge was trying to do the best by the team by making those calls, which speaks volumes about where they were by never uh, throwing the ball Dan just like no no forward passing we're not doing it yeah just there's nothing like he knew that if they tried to run a play it was safety city so <laughs> and that, that is absolutely horrible that that's the reality of where the Giants are but I think that it is but for me personally the straw was um was it was the 11 minute rant it wasn't even necessarily the start of the 11 minute rant it was more towards the end when yeah when it went off the rails that he was, when he where when he was going off the rails and then the wheels came off the wagon at that point and he's talking about how you know players are coming into his office and begging him to come back and players are calling him that are making more money on other teams saying how they want to return to the giants and and for me one i didn't believe it i thought it was just complete nonsense lies um and then maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It doesn't matter. Um, what really did me in was the fact that the Giants are in such a dire position in terms of personnel and roster building. And he essentially tampered during that 11-minute ramp by talking about players that are employed and under contract with other teams. And he put the organization at risk of losing draft assets and essentially to pat his own back and try and save his own job, which ironically went in the complete opposite direction and very well may have been one of the reasons why he was fired um, in the end. So not only did he damage himself, he potentially would have damaged the team there. And I thought that the, you know, the, 
the juice was not worth the squeeze in that particular situation. That wasn't necessary to say that, even if it was true. And again, personally, for me personally, I don't believe that it was true. Um, but to put the team at risk when they're already so depleted was really just the end of the line for me at that point. I thought the entire rant was just incoherent babble nonsense in the first place. Um, but yeah, to put the team at risk really did me in. I just thought that at that point there was no survivability left. Yeah, I think the rant was it for everybody, including the Giants ownership, and they had to be like, who is this guy? we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah, <laughs> He's saving for what, himself. Right. I don't know what Judge was thinking. He was too emotional in those moments, and I think he thought he was saving his job. Um, but I think he, he talked his way out of the job at that point. I mean, the, the Giants had expressed public faith in him just weeks prior. Um and, you know, I know Mara said that that's not the one thing that tipped the scales one way or another. But again, you know, he had come out in public offered support to judge prior to that. Um, so I don't necessarily think that Mara is being particularly honest in, the, in that uh, in that statement either. I think that 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 11 minute rant, particularly the second half of that 11 minute rant, that was it for judge. That was the end of the line. And I think even he, as those words were coming out of his mouth, probably realized that a tremendous mistake had been made. And that was, that was the end. Yeah. I think right when he mentioned the fans booing him and how they were right to boo him, that's, that's when he lost it. That's when I think as you texted me, his brain broke (laughs) and it went off the rails. Uh, Okay. Bouncing back to, uh, to Mara's very awkward press conference um one thing that was uh that stuck out to me because we talked about this uh last time we were on dan you talked about uh, you know nepotism and, and how that's a big problem with the giants and you know when that was brought up of you know anything about his family or, or the concept of nepotism uh, mara got visibly agitated right mm-hmm. uh, and he shot it down but it's not like you could really argue against it right like look around the league right now which teams are in the worst spots right the bears They've got an owner who's 100 years old, and, and the son there, George McCaskey, what a piece of work this guy is. I watched his uh, his end-of-season presser, Dan, and it was even worse. I mean, the, this guy is, like, clueless. Uh, and they're searching. he's the guy leading a search for a new head coach and GM. And, you know, Denver, over in Denver, right? You got the Bolins. That's like an episode of Succession over there with the Pat <laughs> Bolin Trust. And they're, all, they're, all, they're about to sell it and cash it in and do that thing. They're about to sell the team probably as soon as this spring it's it's working its way through the courts so i mean you look around the league there's all kinds of examples uh like this i mean this is where the giants are and they're they're kind of leading the bus for all the nepotism in the league right now right they're kind of like in the front runners of it so uh yeah i I think i don't know how you can shoot that thing down yeah i I thought it was odd that um one that merrill was so defensive. I, I guess i'm not surprised that he was defensive but i i am surprised by how vehemently defensive he was and i think what really got me during um during two our wednesday excuse me during wednesday's press conference was you know the giants had just announced literally literally two hours before mara's press conference that chris mara his brother had sat in with steve tish on the GM interview, exactly. and then and then Mara comes out. John comes out and says, "Well, Chris has absolutely no authority. His authority is whatever I tell him to do." Well, then why is he sitting in on the general manager interviews if he has no authority? And then the argument over Tim McDonald was the same thing. Well, he's you know a good talent evaluator, but he he has no authority. But then in the same breath, he says, "Well, their grades go into the system, and we we we." You know, we take them very seriously. Well, which is it then? Is there no authority or is there authority? 
And, and, and you know, it's that kind of n- nonsensical word salad that makes me crazy about where the Giants are currently. Because just when you think that it's over with Judge being removed, then Mara comes out and does the same exact thing that, that Judge had just done. And 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 if you would have, you know, sent out the transcript and and posted this is a Joe Judge transcript as opposed to a John Mara transcript and, and changed a couple of things, you wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, John is talking about how desirable this organization is, and he couldn't believe and can't interview all the people that are, inter- that are interested in coming and playing and, and running a franchise that's been running to the ground over the last 10 years. It was literally the same thing that Judge yep, was saying. Over the and top, it, exactly. It, it, and it just didn't connect in Barra's brain that the man he had fired for doing the same exact thing, he's sitting there. And, and basically repeating what Judge said just from an owner's perspective. So that really got me. The whole nepotism thing really got me because, again, it's it just the irony of the entire way that that day played out. The Giants announced Chris Maris sat in on the GM interview. And John Maris says, there's no nepotism. He has no authority. Well, which is it then? Like, <laughs> why is it that the Giants, their ownership, their executives, their coaches think that everyone on the outside of the organization is so stupid? Um, when they're not. And I, and I think that's the reason why Mara also had such strict rules in place um, for this particular press conference, because he wanted to control what was said, what was asked, what was out there. They didn't allow anyone to live stream it just in case something went off the rails. Mm. Um, they selectively pick which reporters would allow, you know, be allowed to ask a single question before being muted and, and not allowed any follow up questions. <laughs> so there was there was no Mara eliminated the ability for there to be any back and forth. What was going to come out was simply whatever it is that he wanted to say, whatever message it was that he wanted to get across. And that was going to be the end of it. There was going to be no wiggle room. There was going to be no back and forth. Um, he wasn't going to have it. And then you get statements like that where, you know, Chris Mara has no authority, but he sits in on the GM interviews that everybody across the league. There's so many people that are interested in this absolute clown show of an organization that he can't interview them all at the same time. And it's just like it was just like a continuation of the madness. It's just like the, the clown show just gets bigger and it gets louder every single day somehow. Not very transparent, huh? When you're picking who can ask the question and muting people. And yeah, it's just not very authentic. It's just no. not. And that's never I've been covering the Giants for 18 years. This was my 18th season that has never happened in 18 years before that was the first i feel sorry for you dan you need a vacation you need a vacation you need to get yourself well my friend you need a long you need a a couple i don't know you'd probably rather be on a hiking trail than a beach right is that right with you Uh, yeah that's that's a safe that's safe okay (laughs) you need a nice long hike or something you need to get away from these giants but there's plenty to pick at there's plenty of meat on this bone still we'll keep picking through it What's next for Daniel Jones and what's next for the GM uh, or, or what's next in the GM search? Because that's probably coming first here in short order. We'll get into all that right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this weekend's NFC wildcard round matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Tipico Sportsbook have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 49 and a half. I'm taking the Rams. I'm laying the three and a half because McVay has owned Kingsbury since Kingsbury joined the NFL. 
the Rams are five and one straight out, four and one and one against the spread versus the Cardinals since 2019. And Murray, Kyler Murray, has struggled against the Los Angeles Rams with just an 81.8 quarterback rating, seven touchdowns to nine turnovers. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'm also on the Rams to cover. They're going to be healthier in this game and also have the advantage in the trenches. Cardinals have lost four of their last five. Take the Rams minus three and a half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Dan, we're back in. Uh, and, and an interesting topic here is uh, what's next for Daniel Jones with this new regime coming in, right? We, we're expecting a new GM, right? Kevin Abrams at this point has not gotten an interview. So our fear that it would have been a promotion for Kevin Abrams yeah. and that it'd be a half rebuild and nothing would really change. Well, that doesn't seem to be a case. The Giants are interviewing candidates from outside the organization and young candidates, young up-and-comers that yeah. are going to bring a new approach. So that's, that's a positive sign. We, we know is. a new head coach is coming. But what does that mean for Daniel Jones, right? What does that mean for his fifth-year option? What does that mean for his future? Well, I don't think that fifth-year option was ever – I don't think that was ever going to get picked up no matter who was in the driver's so that, seat. That's I don't think, dead in the water at this point. Yeah, I, I don't think that that was ever going to happen. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, it, it's just it's just too expensive uh, for a quarterback who now is going to go into yet another new system under a new head coach. And that's assuming that they, they keep him at all. I, I think they'll, they'll probably keep him in tow um, this upcoming season, no matter what happens, simply because there aren't a lot of options to replace him unless you're going to trade for someone like an Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think is going to happen, or Russell Wilson, which is probably a little bit more reasonable and realistic, but I still don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Um and then after that, you know, outside of the trade options, the quarterback pool in the draft is not particularly impressive. I don't I don't necessarily believe that there's any quarterback in there that's going to come in and take over a franchise and become the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or anything like that. Uh, I just don't see that star power. And then you look at the free agent market, and there's really no one that's arguably better than Daniel Jones. Uh, that being said, I think if it was any other situation where if there was a solid quarterback in the draft or a good quarterback on the free agent market, I think the Giants with the new general manager and head coach would pounce. I just don't know that that depth and that amount of choice is really there for them at this point. So I think that Jones will get an opportunity to come out in 2022 and play for the team and play for the new GM, the new coach. I don't know necessarily know that that's fair to him uh, per se because – you know, now this is going to be his third head coach, his, his fourth play caller, his third different system, his fourth different system, whatever it may be. So for, you know, if you count some of the tweaks after Jason Garrett was was fired, um, you know, new ownership, new executive structure, new personnel around him. Um, it, it's just it's just a constant revolving door of change, and and that's really hard for any quarterback to succeed. And and I know that people hear that and they're like, oh, here come more excuses for Daniel Jones. Listen, 
he's an injury prone guy that doesn't work in his favor. He's got the turnover issues. Granted, you know, he trimmed them a little bit um, the past two seasons. That certainly doesn't work in his favor. And, and he, you know, he makes some mistakes, you know, and, and again, that doesn't work in his favor. So I'm not absolving Daniel Jones of some of his own issues, uh, but objectively and honestly, nobody can look back and be like, oh, this guy's been given a fair shake because he certainly has not been given a fair shake. And it's not going to get any more fair for him um, from here on out. Um, so no, I I don't think the Giants are going to pick up his fifth-year option. I do think he's going to get one more year, uh, but he's sort of a lame duck quarterback at that point. I don't think that the Giants are going to hitch their wagon to him long-term unless he comes out next season and blows the doors off the league, which is really a hard scenario to envision when, again, like I said, he's going and learning his third different system and you know, he's going to have to, you know, adjust on the fly. And then the key there is he's going to have to stay healthy, and I don't necessarily believe that he's capable of staying healthy for an entire season. And and that kind of just, you know, harkens me back to the Eli Manning days where the Giants fans didn't really know how good they had it. Um, so it's not a fair situation for Jones. I do see him hanging around for another year, but that's probably going to be the extent of it. And then he'll give, you know, he'll have the opportunity to finally go somewhere else, find some roots, get a foundation, and then really show the league what he's capable of. But yeah. that won't come on the Giants, I don't think. Yeah, poor Daniel. Uh, I know you're you're gonna you're gonna be texting me someday in like five years when Daniel Jones is ripping it up against the Giants. You'd be like, see, 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 right? So there that is. Um, all right, so I had a couple of uh, parting shots for Joe Judge here. Um, you know, I have one conspiracy theory, like one fan conspiracy theory. You ready for this, uh, Dan? Sure. I felt like part of his rant was inspired by Johnny Manziel. Remember that Johnny Manziel meme when he was saying <laughs> he, he would never play, like, hell no, like the Cam Newton hell no meme? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play for that stupid Giants team. And then Judge, when he was going off about players are calling me they want to be here blah, you know that thing i thought it was a response to johnny manzel i thought he saw that and that set him off the rails that's just a conspiracy theory of mine i mean it's certainly possible <laughs> Judges, you know he would have told you that he's not aware of those sort of things of course i think the last two weeks it's 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 very clear that the Giants are extremely aware of what's being said out there. And I don't think that that's exclusive to John Merrill, who very clearly has his, his hand on the pulse of the Giants and their fans and, and social media. I think Judge very much did as well. So uh, I'm not going to be so quick to dismiss that conspiracy theory because it's entirely possible. Uh, if nothing else, it's certainly coincidental that Johnny Manziel comes out and says that. And then Judge melts down and says, everybody wants to come here. And play. <laughs> exactly. So All I can yeah, see is you know, Cam Newton meme as he was doing right. that. There may be some substance to that. I, you know, it may just like I said, it may just be coincidental. I think he did, was just trying to save his job there, but uh, it wasn't a good look for Johnny Manziel to, to look at the organization and laugh. If Judge wasn't aware of it, I'll tell you what, John Maris certainly was. Yeah, for sure. And then my other conspiracy theory is going back to that Bears game, which was you know, you know, th- that's that's where this rant came from. This epic rant that will that we always have now, and it's Giants history. This this eleven minute rant by uh by Joe Judge. Um. We've talked about how he wants to be Bill Belichick, and I thought that he tried to do what Belichick and the Patriots did to the Bills in that in that bad weather game in Buffalo when Belichick ran. He only attempted three passes, yeah. and that game plan against the Bears, Dan, I couldn't help it. I, I just felt like he was trying to do that thing, and that and he even said it after the game, right? He was like, oh, no, that, that was our game plan. Our game plan was to run the ball. We're going to run the ball and stop the run, or whatever he said. Uh, and then he even mentioned the 40-mile-per-hour wins postgame. So I thought... He stole Belichick's game plan and tried to do that thing and tried to be Bill Belichick. I, that's another conspiracy theory of mine. 
Well, I'll tell you what. If he if he wanted to be Bill Belichick, what he what he should have done, where he should have mimicked Belichick, is button his lip and stop saying so many things. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, Bill would tell him that. That's certainly where things went off the rail for Joe Judge. It got to the point where he was talking way too much and not saying anything of substance, and he was just making things worse. And every time he talked, he would dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. As far as the game plan against Chicago, I think you know maybe he was trying to you know um, you know uh, take a page from his his former coach and mentor. Uh, but, it, but in reality, I think it had a lot more to do with the fact that the Giants simply couldn't pass the ball once Daniel Jones was. Was injured and going for the season. Once he went out, that was the end of the Giants' offense. They were completely incapable of moving the ball efficiently or even functionally um, as an offense. And then when Mike Glennon went out and Jake Fromm had to come in, it, it went from really terrible to absolutely horrible <laughs> to abject failure. Yes, <laughs> and like yeah, it was so bad that they were running sneaks on and back-to-back plays uh, inside the you know ten-yard line because they were terrified what would happen if the ball was released. Uh, so yeah, I think I think the game game plan uh, was really more about what they had at quarterback and what they had as far as personnel, where Kenny Galladay was the only wide receiver that wasn't called up from the practice squad. Um, you know, they just they didn't have any other opportunity, any other choice except to, you know, to run the ball because the offensive line can't pass protect. There's no wide receivers. The quarterbacks can't throw the ball. Um it was just an absolute mess at the end there. And I think that actually, more than anything else, I think that speaks volumes about what Daniel Jones was able to do within that offense because the second he was gone, what we thought was bad, we quickly learned was not that bad. So Yeah, we've seen enough of Mike Lennon. I, I could tell you that. I could tell you that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a great point. Say less. If you ever get another opportunity, Joe Judge, and I don't yeah, know if you that's will. It. Say less. Yeah, like I, I do. I hope that that's because I do think he will get another opportunity. He'll probably come at the college level. I, I think he'd be um, great in college, honestly. I, I think this whole I, act I, would be would, much better yeah. over there. He would be. It would, it would really suit him a lot better. And then it would give him an opportunity to learn because he didn't really have that. He just came in as a special teams coordinator who was thrust into being head coach of the New York Giants, which is one of the – most difficult jobs you can possibly have in the NFL, especially when the organization is in a downward spiral like it is. Um, but yeah, I think that's the lesson that he absolutely has to learn, whether he returns in the NFL or he goes down to college. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> just stop talking so much. And I don't mean to sound brash, but just button your lip and stop saying so much. You know what I mean? Because you can only get yourself in trouble with the more you say. Yeah, the more those gums flap, the more BS it is. That's, that's, that's what it, it is. So let, let's just like Bill Belichick after a loss is, we got to play better. We got to coach better. And and, uh, and and Joe Judge is like, I'm proud of the fight. I'm proud of the effort. Guys are yeah. wired the right way. The bullets got to go through me to get to them. Like that's, yeah. dude, you know what I mean? So you're well, so that's, right. That's, you're that's, so that's right. That's one of the biggest differences between Belichick and Judge. You know, Belichick will give you a whole post-game press conference. Let's say 17 words. <laughs> Judge will talk for 11 minutes when I have one question. <laughs> like, Seriously. He's making up questions as he goes. Yeah. All right. So I just had to clean out the notebook a little bit. Those are some thoughts I had over the last couple of weeks. Um, all right, so let's end it here for this week, Dan. What GM is topping your wish list? I've seen some names out there. Uh, Joe Shane, the current Bills assistant GM, he's a, a high on a lot of people's lists, especially Bills fans. Ryan Poles, another up-and-comer in the Chiefs organization. Uh, but like we said earlier, Kevin Abrams at this point not getting an interview. Doesn't sound like he's going to be promoted. Sounds like they're going to go outside higher. Um, who right now would top your wish list and, and who are Giants fans pulling for the most? I think Giants fans are pulling for Joe Shane the most. I, I genuinely do. Um, 
I, I, it's weird because it, it's Joe Shane that seems to top the list for Giants fans, but then number two on that list is Pioli, who's not even interviewing for the job. Um, and doesn't it doesn't seem like he's going to get any interest from the Giants at this point, which I find a little curious. Hasn't he been out of football for a little while? He has Pioli? been. He's actually he's also hold, helping – who was it? I think it's the Bears. I think he's helping the Bears. Um, he's advising them in their GM search. So I don't even necessarily believe that he's looking for a GM job, if that's the case. Um, but Giants fans certainly seem to be trending towards him. And then you see greats like Carl Banks as well, who are, who are saying the Giants should go out and but it just doesn't. It doesn't look like that's the direction they're going. So, uh, of the you know of the nine that are currently on the list for GM interviews, I think Joe Shane is the one that is garnering the most support among Giants fans. And I think it's easy to understand and see why um, that is. Obviously, the Bills were terrible for a long time, and then that regime comes in there and, and not only turns the thing around, but you know now, now they've overtaken the Patriots in the NFC East. And, and whether or not Tom Brady is under center in New England doesn't matter because New England has dominated for such a long time that not only turning the Bills around, but overtaking Belichick and the Patriots – I think that shines a bright light on any executive in that organization, and I think that's why Giants fans are so drawn to them. It's not that the other, you know, the other options and the other candidates are bad. I, I just think that that's the reason why um, Giants fans are so drawn to them. Uh, but I, I think all of them, you know, Adam Peters, Adrian Wilson, I find to be a very fascinating uh, candidate. I don't necessarily think he's a favorite to get the job. I don't even necessarily know if I believe that he's capable of the job right now not to say that he won't be uh down the line it's just there's a lot of newness a lot of to learn still there um for a guy who was a great player uh during his time who I actually covered when i worked for aol and i always wanted him to be on the giants as a player uh so i find his name very interesting but if i had to pick a name gun to my head it would be joe shane um for the same reasons that i said before yeah, I like it. It's a it's a good uh, it's a good program right now. The Bills have, and, then, and not only that, with Joe Shane, you you get to pick from, you know, potential great head coaches and and coordinator options with, uh, you know, Leslie Frazier, Darbol, and, and and you know, the whole basically the entire Buffalo coaching staff from top to bottom. There's so there's so much talent and 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 solid evaluators, scouts, um, you, you know, talent player evaluators in that staff, and and you have to assume that with someone like Shane, um, if he were on the move and and takes a GM job, whether it be with you know the Bears, whether it be with the Giants, that you're going to see a flood of those coaches go along with them and i and i think that's a that's a major positive for whatever organization ends up with them yeah like joe shane and brian you could bring brian dave all over him Dayball, over yeah. with him right dayball yeah and, and and maybe uh maybe he develops daniel jones maybe he saves daniel jones he did it with josh allen yeah he did it with certainly a possibility yeah. josh allen was terrible as a rookie terrible mm -hmm. and now he's an mvp so uh it'll be interesting so like i said earlier dan you deserve a vacation from this team uh, you do, but there's a lot to pick at here. There's, yeah, I was going to say, that yeah. vacation ain't coming anytime no, soon. So <laughs> I think, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we'll just keep recording uh, shows as news breaks. But, you know, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if we have news next week, right? I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I, I, I would assume that maybe by midweek next week that they've decided on the general manager. Um, and then they're moving forward with the head coaching interviews at that point. I would say roughly maybe a week to 10 days after the general manager's hired, you'll get the, the head coach hire. And then from there, it's going to be, you know, adjusting the executive staff, changing, you know, the scouting department, 
who are you bringing in and, and what role, who's your lead scout. Then, of course, it's the coaching staff build. So there's a lot that's going to happen, you know, for the Giants in the coming weeks and months. And and a lot of that has to be decided, obviously, before free agency begins, um, especially given the Giants cap issues. So I'm really curious and probably more than anything else to see how the general manager handles that situation because they're not inheriting a good financial situation with the Giants. So I'm curious to see how far this blow up actually goes because they might be forced to strip down the team's roster pretty significantly. So what the Giants put on the field next year has the potential to be pretty ugly. Um, so I, I am curious to see how where they go from there. But there's a lot of moving pieces. The situation is obviously very fluid. And in the next two to three weeks, there's there's going to be a lot of changes. This team is not going to be recognizable. Uh, compared to where it was to start the 2021 season and where it is to start, you know, the 2022 off season. Yeah, and John Mayer was talking about he he actually said the words blow it up, right? Or it was blow time it to up. blow it up. So maybe maybe they're all on the same page there. So yeah, there'll be a lot to cover. Uh, I think Dan, when they name a GM or if there's a uh, you know some breaking news on the GM, we're gonna we'll get back on and cover it and give our thoughts on it. Is that a, that a good plan for you? Yeah, that sounds good to me. There's gonna be a lot to like I said. There's gonna be a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. So. Um, I, I don't necessarily think the Giants Wire podcast is going to go into hibernation no, like we initially no. expected. We, we like to do that too, but yeah, we'll we'll be busy here. But uh, you know, nice nice work all season on Giants Wire and on the pod, Dan. It was uh, it was a, a rough regular season. I mean, again, we 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 declared the season dead at zero and three. Right, that's what we, week three of the regular season. We were we were declared the season dead. We weren't Man, wrong. We weren't wrong. I gotta tell you, this was. From just a personal standpoint, and I'm sure fans feel this way too. I'm sure fans feel this way. But from a personal standpoint, just from a job perspective, this was very easily the most stressful, trying, and miserable season (laughs) of my entire career. And when that game against Washington ended, I could not have felt more relieved. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't bring. I could. I wouldn't have been able to bring myself to sit through another one of those games. I really wouldn't have been. It was so. It was so terrible. Any enjoyment that you get out of covering the NFL the Giants completely zapped over the final six weeks of the season. I didn't even feel like I was watching or evaluating football at that point. No, you're counting it down on Twitter. You're like, all right, one quarter left. I was, I was, I was, I wasn't even hiding the fact that I was counting the (laughs) the game clock. I was done. I was so done. And I'm just, I'm just so glad to be on the other side of it because it's hard, as difficult it was for me to cover that imagine being a fan imagine not just being a fan but being a season ticket holder with a psl imagine what that felt like for them yeah because you're truly you're paying actual money for that you're paying yeah for that you're product. trapped you're trapped you're not going to be able to sell your tickets and get out from underneath the crushing weight of that cost so those fans were forced to spend tens of thousands of dollars and not get it back and what either waste their tickets or go sit there and watch that trash that was on the field. So I do, I feel absolutely horrible for fans, but particularly for PSL holders that what they had to endure this season should not be legal. It's, and I, I, I genuinely mean that too. And that's opening up a whole other can of worms, but it, it shouldn't be legal to be forced to hold that PSL when the product that you paid for is absolute dog garbage. So I do, I feel awful for, for the, you know, the fans, for the PSL holders. Um, I think that that's something that the giants absolutely have to address and change because you cannot continue to force fans to spend tens of thousands of dollars 
for that product. It's yeah. not fair. It shouldn't be that way. It has to change. Yeah, what'd you get? You got the medium Pepsi, the free medium Pepsi, and the chance <laughs> yeah, to, the yell at Joe, to yell to team and Joe Judge at the game. That's, that's yeah. all you got. That's all you got. Yeah. 20 grand for a PSL, that's what you get, a yeah. medium Pepsi. Yeah, uh, so. I don't think that's a good trade-off. Uh, no, that's not a nope. good deal. So uh, hopefully it gets better. Um, and hopefully we, we get out of this, uh, this just cycle, Dan, that we're stuck in, right? We'll see. Well, I, I, think, I think one thing that fans are going to have to accept, and um, it's not going to be easy for them, when, when you blow it up, I know there's going to be a lot of optimism that things are going to change, and they will, but they got to remember that this is starting over. They, they call it a reset button for a reason. The Giants are not going to come out in 2022 and put up 13 wins. It's not going to happen. Get used to the losing because it's going to be a couple more years of this. All right. Well, there it is. On that note, <laughs> let's sign <laughs> off here for the, uh, the 2021 regular season. Always great stuff from you, Dan. Appreciate you showing up every week and bringing it um, to the listeners. Stay glued to Giants Wire. There'll be news on you know the latest news on the GM search uh, happening right there. I, I, I do believe I do believe Mara when he says that the GM will come first and then the head coach. So we'll be watching for the GM, and when that happens, yeah. we'll be back on here to uh, give our thoughts. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.